This episode is sponsored by Katrina Burke Coaching, helping caring professionals create a life of balance and flow. Katrina has a range of programs available for teachers and school leaders. And for more information, head on over to katrinaburkecoaching.com.au. Katrina Burke Coaching, evolve, transform, thrive. This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, a weekly show to help you prioritize your health, happiness, and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane. Enjoy the podcast. everyone. This week's interview is with Maria Doyle from mariadoyle.com and it is a really good one. Maria talks about her experience teaching um, in international schools, in mainly in, the, uh, in Asia and the Pacific, and the burnout that she experienced from some of the patterns and beliefs and habits that she had around her approach to work that were really not serving her or, in turn, the students that she was working with. So it's a really interesting story and I, I, um, I loved this conversation. I'm so glad that Maria and I got to connect over it and, and we have some similar beliefs around, you know, the, the importance of self-care and why it's the inner work you know, doing that personal development work and the work on your own self-worth uh, that that really makes all the difference when it comes to when it comes to caring and nurturing for others and and giving from a place of service rather than a place of resentment. So it's a fantastic conversation, and we also touch on the importance of boundaries and perfectionism and the the need for um, acknowledging yourself uh, so that you don't get caught up in the trap of of working harder and doing more and striving, striving, striving to um, get significance from other people. I do have to give a very small language warning. Uh, there are a couple of places in this episode where we do swear, so um, that's why this episode is marked explicit. Uh, it's not because we <laughs> discuss anything too explicit. There's just a couple of swear words, so uh, if you're listening in the car with little kids, maybe just be aware of that. Um but yeah, this is a really interesting story about the dangers of ignoring the signs that your body is sending and um, and uh, how there can sometimes be a sense that being exhausted as a teacher is just the status quo. So I hope you enjoyed this episode with Maria. Just before we get to the interview, I wanted to remind you that I have a Patreon page set up for self-care for teachers. If you go to patreon.com forward slash self-care for teachers, you can sign up to become a patron of the show and you'll get some cool bonuses. So there's some different levels there where you go into the, the raffle every every couple of months. We're having a Christmas one. So if you sign up in the next couple of days, depending what level of patron you become, you'll get more entries into the raffle. And um there's also uh, my coaching options are there as well. So if you would like some accountability or well-being coaching from me, that's the place to go at the moment to book that. I also am running some interviews in the next uh, couple of weeks during the month of December um, as a follow-up to the NaNoWriMo project that I've been doing on my Teacher Wellbeing book. 
I'm at the stage where I'm really wanting to interview um, as many teachers as possible, really, about their experience of teaching and self-care and well-being and burnout and all the things that we talk about on the podcast. So if you're interested in that, please shoot me an email at ellen at selfcareforteachers.com.au or you can come and find me on Facebook. If you're not already in the Facebook group, jump in there and shoot me a message because, um, yeah, I really want to talk to as many teachers as possible uh, as a way of it's going to help with the research for my book. So let me know if you're keen to be involved in that. All right. I hope the end of term is going along really well for you. Enjoy this interview with Maria Doyle. Hello, Maria. Welcome to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. Hello, Ellen. Great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, you're very welcome. Anything to do with helping teachers, right up my alley. Yeah, and so let's launch right in. Can you tell us a little bit about your teaching background first and then we'll get into the rest of it later? (laughs) Sure. Um, I did a Bachelor of Arts because I didn't know what I wanted to do and I specialised in languages because I was good at them at high school. Um, And then I got a scholarship to finish my degree in Indonesia and when I was there all I wanted to do really was go back. So I did a Certificate of English English Language Teaching when I left school, uh, sorry, uni, when I finished my Bachelor's and uh, just thought, oh, you know, it's just a way for me to get back to Indonesia and, and to live and speak the language and, um, you know, sort of live more of the culture because I really enjoyed doing that. So really it was just a chance for me to get back in into a country that I loved and be able to work there. What I didn't realise was that I was going to then accept um, 13 other overseas postings and it would become a career. So that was a bit of a shock to me. Um, it was always just meant to be a bit of a gap year job before I came home and got a real job in, in inverted commas. Um, but yeah, it, it just ended up becoming a career. So I just went from one English teaching job to the next um, until teaching grammar got a bit repetitive and a bit boring and I, I started working in different countries and just different styles of students and different motivations for being there which weren't really in line with my values or what I really wanted to be doing. So I went and did a Master's of Education to sort of start looking at more high-level jobs um, and not necessarily man- management but more like curriculum development and teacher training because I was already being asked to do those jobs in in the teaching roles and then yeah it just sort of it it snowballed from there so I worked for universities in curriculum development and then I ended up in a project management position out in the Pacific putting vocational education and training into that country so out there I was responsible for English language development and teacher training as well so yeah it was a very convoluted um, career path and not one that I ever planned it was just (laughs) it just sort of happened just kept following the twists and turns as they came along yeah, totally. But also a really varied um, experience and I think very interesting because um, obviously a lot of the people I've interviewed so far on the podcast have a, a fairly standard journey in terms of, you know, go to uni to become a teacher, finish uni, go and get a teaching job at a primary school or a high school, maybe teach a year in London. That seems to be the the general gist of it. Um, so yours is a really interesting story. Um, and I know that, uh, so h- how many years did you do that for? Uh, well, I started when I was straight out of uni. So um, I'm, I was a late baby in the year. So uh, I was all done and dusted with my degree by the time I was 21. So um, my first teaching job was when I was 21. Wow. And how old were the students you were teaching then? Oh, God. Um, so my first teaching job was, 
<laughs> in a language school in Medan in the north of Sumatra and it was a total nightmare. I did a stupid of English language teaching to adults because I didn't really want to be teaching kids and I got thrown into this job that was all about the children and I cried <laughs> on the first day and just went, I don't want to do this, this is not what I got into this job for, um, which was hilarious. But I uh, quickly learned the skills and um, I was under the wing of someone who was a lot older and a lot more experienced than me and um, showed me how fun it could be. So, yeah, I was teaching six-year-olds um, right up through to teens and then adults all at that same school. So I was working lots of different classes across all different age groups. It really was a baptism of fire in terms of teaching, age groups, behavioural problems, grammar, curriculum. It was, yeah, I did everything from general English to exam classes to all sorts of nonsense. It was, yeah, it was definitely the job that gave me a very good foundation in skills, in, in teaching skills for sure. Yeah, I can imagine you had a lot of different experiences there. And then I know that over your career, and, and we may come back to that first job, I don't know whether how heavily it's impacted, but I know that over your career as a teacher you had um, you did experience burnout um, pretty significantly. Uh, yeah. Can you talk to us about that? Because I think that's, um, I know that you and I have spoken before about the fact that people throw the word burnout around quite uh, liberally and, and, you know, they're, they're very, very tired at the end of term and say, I'm so burnt out and they spend three days on the couch and and that they feel better, you know, that's not really burnout. Um so can you talk to us about your experience of it? Yeah, sure. Look, and I never, to be honest, I never really understood burnout until um, I went through it myself. And I think, you know, the teaching profession is one which a lot of, I guess a lot of people who are into service end up in teaching. You know, they want to help. They want to help people grow. They want to nurture children and, and their lives and, and their education. And you get a lot of caring types. You get a lot of overgivers. You get a lot of people who, um, you know, really want to help serve. And so I think that being exhausted as a teacher is the status quo. You know, if you're not exhausted and you're a teacher, there's something wrong. You know, you must not be working hard enough for, you know, when you grow up in that culture, when, you, when your career progresses in that culture where being busy and being overworked is normal, um, when you're not working that much, you feel like you're not pulling your weight or you're not doing enough. So, yeah, I progressed through a number of schools and universities and colleges where that was the status quo. And, I mean, I am an overachiever anyway. I was a perfectionist um, and certainly, oh, God, I could talk about that level for a long time. But, yeah, I ended up with... Um, well, we may come back. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a whole other conversation. But, yeah, I um, I ended up in this position out in the, in the Pacific um, loving what I was doing. It was the dream job. It was curriculum development. It was teacher training. It was in a far-off country with very little resources. Um the diet was fairly poor, so there wasn't a lot of fresh fruit and vegetables. So your, I guess your immune system could take a hit pretty easily. But I was also forcing myself to work 18-hour days to get the project um, moving along. I mean, we're, we were the start of a 25-year education and training project and there was just a lot of groundwork that needed to be done. The school actually burnt down on day three of us starting our project. Oh my goodness. So it wasn't just, okay, let's get, let's get a curriculum. It was damage control. It was people in shock. It was all sorts of things. So you naturally just go into, you know, helping mode. And two and a half years after being there, um, well, it was actually about two years after I got there, I uh, ended up with multiple organ failure and was medevaced off the island. Um, wow. And it was, I mean, 
yeah, it was quite, yeah, you want burnout? That was, I, I ran myself into the ground. I mean, there were a number of medical um, conditions that underlaid that diagnosis and that outcome. Um, but running myself into the ground was, I believe, the core reason that I ended up in the situation that I ended up in. Like there were definitely physiological things that were underlying it, um, you know, chemical chemical imbalances and parasites and all sorts of things. You could put it down to all the physical things. But at the end of the day, if I hadn't been pushing myself that hard and I'd been actually looking after myself, I probably would have noticed the signs a lot earlier and not ended up in a medical evacuation. But I just push, 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 18-hour days, working way longer and harder than anyone there. And for what reason? Yeah, again, that's another whole conversation. Um, you know, yeah. need to need to survive, need to thrive and the need to um, achieve, I, yeah, it's a, it's it is still a mystery, but yeah, I think burnout is burnout is something where your physical body gives up. Your physical body says enough is enough, and you end up getting sick. And I, so many of my teacher friends end up sick during term break. You know, they don't, they're never sick during term, but the minute the holidays yeah. are a week away or the holidays are imminent, they end up with sinus infections and chest infections. And it's like, yeah, well, I'm not surprised. You know, I'm not surprised. Your body's just said enough. Enough's enough. You need some rest. You've got a holiday coming up, great. I'm going to make sure that you're flat on your back the whole time. <laughs> Absolutely right. Yeah. And, you know, certainly my personal experience, even before I got into teaching, was exactly that of pushing my body and ignoring the signs that my body was saying until eventually my body said, oh, well, if you're not going to listen to us and rest, we'll make you rest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and to, you know, to the point where you can't ignore it, you can't soldier on anymore. And and I, I so agree with you that um, teaching attracts people who are very um yeah overgiving it's it's there's a selflessness to it in the sense of like they just want to serve they just want to help but there's also a, a you know i believe a bit of a sense of um of ego around that and not not in a not in a really terrible way but just in that's where the identity lies and so if i'm not giving if i'm not serving then i'm nothing mm. um which is part of i think the underlying problem when when people feel like they do need to keep, you know, working eight-hour days to prove that they are enough um, because if they stopped, they wouldn't be pulling their weight or if they took a, a rest, then, you know, they're being inefficient. Um, and I think there is that culture that a lot of teachers either already have and that's what attracted them to the profession or, you know, it surrounds us so it's really hard to know that there's a different way to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you mentioned perfectionism. Would you mind going back to that? Yeah, sure. Um, look, and I think this is, you know, personal development journey I've been on since the multiple organ failure debacle. Um, mm. The personal journey that I've been on since then was, you know, I got that sick. I pushed myself that hard for a job that I ended up close to losing my life. Um, mm. And that forced a real, I guess, relook at what I was here to do and what the point of life was you know I always thought that I'd end up married with kids and a white picket fence in suburbia and just doing what normal people do but it never happened and I think on some level I was striving to be I guess to achieve something in lieu of of the sort of that missing part that I always wanted in my life which was you know the the family and the kids and all that sort of stuff so I think the need to strive for perfection and the need to strive for, I guess, 
and look, you know, look at me. This is what I've achieved, you know, because you come back into suburbia, you come back into yeah, to to be significant, to do something that people go, oh, well, she didn't have kids or a family, but you know, she put vocational education and training into this into this developing country. Like, there's almost it was almost like a, you know, I can't possibly be labelled as successful in my life because I don't have the two kids and the Audi parked out front of the you know, restored vintage home. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it's that sort of, yeah. I guess it was a strive to, uh, 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 I guess a striving to get a label or to be, um, yeah, to be recognised on some level. So, yeah, perfectionism for me, I think a lot of it is rooted, like well, I started talking about before, this sort of personal development journey that I had to go on before, well, after this episode and I came back and sort of reevaluated what life was about. I mean, it's like a layers of the onion. I've been through all sort of layers of self-worth and, and you know, who I am in the world and what I'm here to do, what my values are, how my values drive my actions, how my actions drive the direction that I'm going in life. And I never really understood any of that before. In the last three years, I've come to know myself so much more. And everyone talks about this. You know, you get into business, oftentimes people get into business because they want to do the work. You know, getting into business is a personal development journey like no other <laughs> Uh, and it certainly yes. is, but it forces you, it forces you to do the work, forces you to do the inner work because the inner work is what everything else is wrapped around. So the success or the failure or the procrastination or the perfectionism or any of those things that, um, you know, sort of dominate the way you live or the way you work or the way you conduct your life, it's all about an inner problem. It's all about something that is going on. It's not a problem, that's the wrong word, but it's, it's all about something that you need to process or you haven't quite processed yet inside so yeah perfectionism for me was I think just a need to be um a need to be acknowledged a need to to have something on my label that said Maria did something and it was significant and it's no she may not have children and and a husband and and you know this sort of 3.2 children ideally uh you know sort of suburban life but she did something and here it's and here it is and you can't do that you can't do that by not being perfect at it. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't do a half-assed job yeah. when it comes to being a perfectionist. Yeah. Strive, strive, strive. Got to, got to do more. Got to be more. Got to be well, something that's else. It, because you can never reach perfection. So it's, it's got to be more. It's got to be the next thing. It's around the next corner. If I just, if I just achieve that, if I just work that extra hour today and just get this to-do list done, but the to-do list is never finished. Um, you can never, you can never achieve perfection. Nope, never. Mm. Um, so talk to me about what you're doing now because you're not uh, teaching anymore as you said you're in business so what do you um, what do you do these days instead of teaching well I still do teach in a sense but it's just not in a conventional nine to five have a contract at a school turn up five days a week do report cards it's more I help professionals get their knowledge out of their head and turn it into a learning experience like courses or presentations or workshops or whatever. So I work with bookkeepers and I work with skydivers and I work with health and wellness professionals, but their their core, what they do is they, they create change in the world. They make the world a better place and their knowledge needs to be in a in a format where lots of people can access it instead of just them having to go over it one, uh, you know, one-to-one all the time. So they want to leverage their time. So basically I am still working with teachers but they're not teachers by trade. They are professionals who need to teach so that they can get their word out there to more people. So I, I guess I am still helping teachers. I am still training. Like in work, I still do workshops, which is, but the workshops are for professionals as opposed to teachers or as opposed to students of, say, a language or, or a subject. Um, so, yeah. 
And you're not following a curriculum in, in the education system? No. So You're making the curriculums yourself? Yeah, so I'm developing other people's curriculum. So their knowledge is in their head and it needs to be in a learning resource. So, you know, you go through the, the stages of developing a good product. So what is it? Is it a course? Is it a workshop? Is it a, is it a book? And then you go through a curriculum framework, so making sure it's outcomes-based and there's activities to reinforce the learning and to map out all the resources that you're creating and then to actually go and create the resources and make sure that they're best practice. So, yeah, different stages. So I'm using the experience that I gained in 14 overseas postings, working with, uh, you know, over 80 cultures and, and nationalities and languages and all the rest of it and translating that into helping professionals who have a body of knowledge make it as effective as possible. So in a way I am still teaching but just not in the conventional sense. Yeah. And what have, you know, you said you've been on a personal development journey. So what's changed for you since since that multiple organ failure experience? What's changed for you in your approach to work and life? Um, I think work and what I was able to achieve at work used to be an outward reflection of my worthiness. So if I could produce a 48-page document that, you know, report that had colourful graphs and pictures and images that I could present at a presentation, you know, like at a report, you know, annual report session with my managers from Australia and wow everyone with the statistics and the growth and the and the change that we'd seen in, in the levels of the school and their English level and whatever, and, you know, kudos to Maria, slap on the back, yes, would you like a contract next year? That that was my sort of, that's where I went home and felt successful. You know, I was like, right, well, I've been, I've been um, commended for the work that I've done. I've been recognised that I'm a hard worker. I've been rewarded for the work that I've done. Therefore, I am successful. Therefore, I am happy. Um, and I think what I realised with multiple organ failure was that I was just another number in the machine. And when I came back from that posting, um, the next stage in the project was to pretty much wipe out a lot of what I'd done and replace it with the newer version of it. And that was just wow. crushing. Like it wasn't, I'm, I'm not dissing the, pro, the project or the process or the person who took over or anything like that. It's got nothing to do with that. It was, wow, I nearly lost my life and all that stuff that I was striving to achieve and prove is just gone. It's gone doesn't exist anymore like wow so I think what's changed and I think that's why I came back and just went wow I don't know that I'm ever going to be happy in a traditional education model I think I might have to go and actually create my own because there I know that I can put in the amount of work that I need to put in to get the results um, to make sort of I guess to make my own success and my success now is pegged on the fact that I am living in two countries that I love I've got homes in two in two places that fill me up I've got a beautiful community of, of people in both places who I really love spending time with and I get to dictate my day like if I'm having a slow morning then I don't start work till three o'clock in the afternoon but I might then be working through till midnight so that's now my level of success for me is that hey I'm living a life that I love in a, in places that I love with freedom to be you know to focus on my strengths to build a business around the stuff that I'm actually really good at and people go oh my god like that is a skill I do not have. Please let me, like, please work with me, help me, because you are so much more efficient at this than I am. So I guess you're celebrated. Um, you're still celebrated in what you do, and you still um, feel that sense of achievement and that success. Because, but you're using your strengths and only your strengths. You're not having to focus on all the other bits of the job that you don't really love, because you can make that decision because you're a business owner. So yeah, I guess the focus now is not on getting accolades or getting recognition from outside it's more about 
getting that recognition from the inside and knowing that I'm living a life that I actually really want to live, not a life that other people will judge as successful or um, positive or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like the judgment comes from inside, not from outside anymore. Totally. And that is really important. And I think because, you know, I've experienced that, not, not quite to that level, but that sense of, wow, I just did all that work on that you know, grade 11 and 12 work program and now they've brought a new syllabus in and it's all out the window, whatever it was, you know, like two years later, none of that matters anymore. And and the, the curriculum, of course, things have to change. Of course, there's updates, but um, that is one of the things that really creates a sense of um, cynicism, certainly about the education system um, for a lot of teachers and, and a sense of, yeah, that where's the recognition for that work that I did? Um, and it's, it's, it's really, um, I think, powerful that you're, what you're sharing is that you've shifted your locus of, of affirmation, I suppose, and, and acknowledgement from being external to being internal. Um, it's no longer an extrinsic motivation, it's intrinsic and, and how empowering that is because it's allowed you to make choices that are right for you that aren't about, you know, ticking some box that somebody says you need to tick to be successful. Yeah, well, and I think that it's also about... Um... Like for me, it, and I don't want to, this is not disparaging for people who have been in my life or the influences that have been in my life because I think everything that's happened to this point creates the person that you are and at the end of the day you've got to be happy about that um, and moving forward knowing that everything is perfect and it's imperfection and all the rest of it, cliche, cliche, cliche. Um, but I think, you know, there's, the yeah, there's certain <laughs> pressures, you know, from well-meaning people who may... Um, I guess have put their values onto you or put their priorities onto you and make you feel like you yeah. need to live up to that expectation to to be right in their eyes, you know, and it, it may be about, you know, the, the having, a, having a family, 2.2 children and the Audi out the front. It may be, you know, the qualifications that you need to reach. It may be, oh, I don't know, like being part of a social circle or being part of a, an elite um, group of people. It could be anything, but and I guess that's you get those pressures surrounding you from either colleagues at work or family or friends in in different places and so I think where what's really changed in the last five years is that I was looking around going right how can I impress these people or how can I how can I be the thing that I need to be to be successful in their eyes and now I just sort of go yeah nah I just (laughs) actually don't give a flying funkadoodle like I just don't care what they think you know someone else's opinion of me is not my business absolutely it's just not I I, that their opinion of me is based on whatever they've got going on inside of them it's more of a reflection of what they of what is triggering them than me (laughs) you know like I am me and I do what I want to do and I make myself happy first and foremost which might Coming from the background that I've come from, that sounds very selfish or can sound very selfish. But at the end of the day, when your cup is not full, you cannot help other people. So you've got to come from that place of of service to self first and then serve yourself first and then serve everybody else. And that's exactly what this podcast is about. That's exactly what my business is about. And, and about, you know, because obviously for your journey, you, especially given the experience that you had, you know, the major health crisis, like you, you haven't stayed teaching in that traditional sense. But it's absolutely possible for people to stay in exactly the same job that they are. You know, you don't have to throw out your whole life to, to, to get to that realisation. You don't have to actually um, suddenly start being a real bitch to then 
fill your own cup. Like, you know, there is this this kind of mentality that self-care is selfish, but it is not and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to impact anybody else negatively at all. In fact, in my experience and, you know, a lot of people's experience, it's, it's actually really good for the people in your life because then you've got more to give. You know, you're filling your own cup. Yeah. So, you know, you're actually able to keep showing up in a really sustainable, healthy, giving way that's not an overgiving way full of resentment. It's actually really pure generosity and you know pure service and it's so much you know it's so much more sustainable but it's also just so much more enjoyable to to be giving from that place and it's possible to get there without having to throw out um you know all the baby in the bathwater. oh totally look and I think that is if I was to I mean I would never I never regret anything I've done or or time I've spent doing anything because it's all part of the journey but if I now if I knew then what I know now I would not have been looking for, I guess I left that all the corporate jobs and just went, that's it. I actually can't be happy in corporate. I need to start my own business. I need to be in control of my own hours. I need to be working on projects where I'm filled up, you know, and, and that is still true to a certain extent. And I would never shut down my business now because it is a true, you know, reflection of who I am and what I'm doing. And I think I'm really suited to what I'm doing. But if I had understood the level of self-care and self-love that I needed to have within me at that point, I think I would have really very much changed my attitude to work and my attitude to, um, I guess, how to approach work and how to approach like boundaries. I mean, I never had boundaries. It was like I was working 18 hour days because I had no boundaries because I was like, oh, no, I've got to get this done. I've got to get yep. finished. If I don't do it, no one's going to do it. And then it's going to make my life more stressful next week. It's like, well, if I was actually just realistic about how much work you can get done in an eight hour work day, that project would never have really gotten off the ground. But hey, look, they ended up scrapping it anyway. So who gives a shit? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, and I think certainly it's it's um, been my observation that the more, um, at least in the education system, you know, which is the context of this conversation, like the more teachers are, are going over and above their uh, the the boundaries of their work and their role, the more they're stepping in and filling the gaps. And and it's wonderful that they might be helping other colleagues or they might be helping the school which doesn't have the budget for xyz and they're going to do it out of their own pocket or off their own um, Mm. free time but the more that happens and it happens all the time the less obvious the gaps are where you know the system is falling down or where the community sees that hang on a minute if we want the school to have xyz we better do some fundraising for the pnc or whatever like the more the teachers are overstepping that that boundary and filling those gaps the less people outside see that yeah, as totally. a gap to, that needs to be yeah. And that's the thing. It's um, like actually how about the yeah. fact that this job description may be bullshit, like this actually Completely yeah, may be ridiculous to be expecting one person to do this job. I mean I know that the the guy that came in after me, the first thing he said to the teachers there was, and this is not disparaging at all, he said, listen, I'm not Superman, I'm not Maria, and that's the first thing I'm going to say. And at the time I was like, Ugh. But it's true, you know. He's like, "Come on, like, dude, she was working eighteen hour days. I'm not going to do that." That's yeah, ridiculous. And also, Maria's not Superwoman because she ended up with multiple <laughs> organ failure. Yeah, exactly. And that's the point, you know. Like, I look at some of my teacher friends who are, you know, they're working right through lunchtime, and you know, they never get breaks because they're putting on extracurricular activities that they're not really paid to do or whatever, and and they're exhausted. And I'm like, well, but why are you you're setting yourself up and you're setting up all the other teachers at the school for that to be the expectation? So if you actually pull back and say, no, you know what? In my job description, it says I need to do this, that, and the other. And yes, I will give a lunchtime here and a lunchtime there because that's just me being nice. But if I 
continue to work the 18-hour days and to go above and beyond, then we are just setting us all of ourselves an expectation that that's what all of us need to do. So how about we all just step back and say, no, actually, we're not. We're not going to go above and beyond. We are going to do our job. We're going to do a little bit more so that we feel like, yes, we're generous and we're giving and we're deserving of that. But no, we're not going to run ourselves into the ground because the school doesn't have the budget. If the school doesn't have the budget, then the kids have got to go without. Simple. Exactly. And and it's, it sucks, but it's only in in people making those hard decisions, you know, and I believe it's only on mass when, you know, all teachers around Australia start doing that, that maybe the the issues around fair and equitable school funding will actually yeah. change, you know, because... Um, because at the moment, I think we're prop- in, in, in many ways we're propping up a system that totally. is unsustainable, and, and teachers are the ones paying yep. the price. Um, just to shift, just to just to shift the conversation, just to a little bit of mm. a more positive note um, to end on. Um, you know, talking about filling your own cup. How do you do that? What are your personal practices that that um, help you to be able to give from that um, sustainable place and from that place of filling your own cup first so that then you can go out and have, have enough to give to others? Um, I think I think for a lot of my teaching career I was a workaholic. So I just work, 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 worked, and then I'd come home and be like, oh, I'm exhausted, so I need a glass of wine. And then that was my hobby, I guess, in a way. You know, it was, it was complaining with my other teacher friends about how exhausted I was and drinking wine. Um, and I didn't really have things that filled me up, that made me feel good and that zoned in on my strengths and, and my creativity and um, my fitness, you know. So I think in the last five years what I've done is, you know, rediscovered things like music, playing music, um, colouring in, as random as that sounds. I find it very therapeutic. <laughs> just I can, I can get it. lost in a colouring in book, like literally get lost in it and it's beautiful. Like it just is such a... I don't really meditate that well. I have ADHD type tendencies, so I get really jittery when I need to sit down and just still. So that drives me nuts. I'm not like a, but I think coloring in is a form of meditation for me. I also, yeah, go for walks in the morning and anything can yeah. be meditation. You know, walking meditation is the thing. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's, I totally hear you on that. It's about the, um, the focus and the, the getting, you know, getting present. Yeah, totally. Like. And doing things like listening to, like I go walking with podcasts every morning. So every morning I'm being inspired by women in business, by women on personal development journeys. I'm learning more and more about life and business and personal development. So that in itself, I mean, that is my meditation. That's what I do every day. I also do yoga when I get back from my walk. So that's strengthening my physical body and my mind as well. So just making the time, you know, I always, I don't have time to do that. There's too much work to do. It's like, yeah, but the inner work, the personal work, that is the work, you know? So yeah, sort of, I guess, making sure that work is not the thing that I live and breathe anymore. It's a thing that happens in my day, but outside of that, there are things that nurture my creativity, my fitness and my mental health. And if I'm not doing that, then the work suffers. It's as simple as that. And I've found that out the hard way five years in business. You know, it's <laughs> it's not all buttercups and rainbows. Absolutely true. And and I think that, you know, my kind of motto is that um, you're a person first and a teacher second. And that speaks exactly to that. It's that when you are in that sort of workaholic state and then drinking wine at the end of the day is your hobby, then you're a, you're a teacher first, you're a worker first. Whereas if you come back to being a person first and a teacher second, actually both improve, you know, your actual experience of life and, and being an individual improves, but so does your teaching because you have more to give and you're more efficient because you're well rested and you can concentrate better and all of that. Like it's, 
the benefits just totally, mm-hmm. it's totally worth yeah, it. Totally, totally agree. Mm. Um, well, this has been fantastic, Maria. Is there anything else that you would add that you really wish teachers knew, especially, you know, early career teachers to set them out, set themselves up for a really thriving and flourishing career? I guess <clears throat> the people that are drawn to teaching are the sort of people that want to help and want to serve and, and you know, get inspired by watching kids grow and learn and become better versions of themselves. And I guess I wish I had had a chat from a mentor when I was early on um, to sort of point that out and to understand that the teaching profession can be amazingly draining if you allow it to be. You can get caught up in the problems of the kids and the, you know, the sort of energy that can exist in the school or in the staff rooms and that self-care is so, so important to look after yourself first and your kids second. So, you know, a lot of people that come into teaching are empaths, you know, they, they feel the energy, they know what people are going through, their heart goes out to them, they just want to help, 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 help. And that's noble and kind and beautiful and amazing. And you can build a whole career on doing that. And that's what I've done. But you need to do it in a way that fills you up first. And when you feel yourself getting drained and tired and exhausted, there's something out that balances out. So take care of yourself first and then you will be the best teacher you can be to those kids. You run yourself into the ground and you're not serving anyone, more so yourself than them, but you're not, you can't serve anyone to your greatest ability when you're exhausted. So take a deep breath, look after yourself first and know that the job can be incredibly up, uplifting and fulfilling um, and I, I wouldn't be out of education and training for, for the world. I love it. It's such an amazing space to be in and just to be with people who are rapidly improving their lives and businesses. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful industry to be in, but there's a dark side um, if you're not aware of it. So be aware of it and, 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 you know, have strategies in place to fill your own cup and to make sure that you are, you know, looking after yourself first. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Maria. You are very welcome. Um, can you tell people where to find you if they did want to um, follow you online and get in touch with you and connect with you there? Yeah, for sure. It's just mariadoyle.com. I've got resources there for teachers. I still do workshops for teachers um, focusing on grammar and communicative activities and behaviour management in classrooms. So, um, yeah, go along to the work with me page and have a look at the schools section. But otherwise, I've got a lot of articles that can help um, just on basic everyday teaching Um, So, yeah, get along to mariadoyle.com and have a bit of a squeeze, have a bit of a look around. Beautiful. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. I'd love it also if you would leave a rating and review in iTunes and share it with your friends. This really helps the podcast reach more people and together we can spread the message of teacher wellbeing to create thriving school communities. Show notes for this episode can be found at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. You can also find me at facebook.com forward slash selfcareforteachers and on Instagram my handle is at selfcareforteachers. So come along and follow me there.